Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. And if you found that, let's go ahead and stand for just a little while. We don't have much to read, so we won't stand long. But in verse 4, the Bible says, And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So we're looking at the Word of God and the Holy Spirit and the relationship of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God tonight in our study. We have a, a let's see, a business meeting uh, just after 8 o'clock. We'll get, time, we'll get done in plenty of time. And now, uh, for visitors, if you want to stay and watch the, the business meeting, that'll be fine. You probably enjoy dentist visits and all that other stuff, too. A uh, shot of Novocaine. No, honestly, we have very peaceful business meetings, very kind. Um, uh, the members have a vote, but anybody can watch, and uh, you'll be voting one day yourself as well. So let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray the Holy Spirit of God would meet with us. We ask that you would teach us from your word about the word and about your relationship with the word. And Holy Spirit, as we read your word, we fully expect you to speak to our hearts when we read this precious book. And we're so grateful you've promised to. And so Holy Spirit, I pray we'll learn about you tonight and we'll apply what we learn. And I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. So as we look at the subject of the Holy Spirit in the Bible... We find that, first of all, that we are to live not by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And that is interesting because the Bible is not inspired by thought. It's inspired by word. God gave the words. And that's why uh, it's so important that we have the word of God with us. I know we live in a day where everyone thinks, uh, you know, any translation that's similar or close to is going to be just fine. But what you're going to find is they don't agree. And that's the biggest problem. Most every modern translation, well, every single modern translation is copyrighted. And in order to have a copyrighted version of the Bible, it has to be different than any other version of the Bible. So not only do they make English words say the same, they have English words that don't say the same and say totally different. And therein lies the uh, problem with different translations. People will say, well, yeah, but the King James is just so hard to understand. Well, American farmers had no problem with it. And for most of us, uh, for 400 years, people didn't have a problem with it. But you had to look up words and figure out what does that word mean? What does charity mean? Uh, And what does this word mean? Well, that's why we always used to have a dictionary when we read God's word. So we could understand the words. Because the words are vitally important. And we're to live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. God's precious word was given to us by the Holy Spirit of God, and we'll see that tonight. And over and over, the word of God records phrases such as, And God said, Thus saith the Lord, The word of the Lord came unto me, a prophet, saying... And so you're going to find those phrases over and over and over throughout Scripture. Now, God created the universe by the power of His word... But he also says in the Word of God that he sustains it by the power of his Word. He created it by his Word. He sustains it by its Word. And by the way, he does a pretty good job on that because it has a a consistent regularity with it that you could uh, uh, set your watch by, the universe being a wonderful big timepiece. He speaks and his will is carried out. So let's look at the role of the Holy Spirit as it relates to the Word of God. The first few points, we're going to be looking specifically at the Word. And the last few points, we're going to be looking at the relationship of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. 
The first thing I want to share with you is the Word of God is eternal. The Word of God is eternal. It's going to always last. Man has constantly throughout the ages tried to uh, tear down God's Word, how to get rid of God's Word, burn God's Word, uh, get rid of all the copies of God's Word. And the more they try to stomp it out, the more the fire of the Word of God spreads. It was Voltaire who said one time that within a hundred years, the Bible will no longer be present and it will be just a figment of people's imagination. And he was a famous atheist. Little, little could he know that after he passed away, the very home he was raised in and lived in was sold to a Bible publishing company. And his house became a company that published the Word of God for many, many years. So you find that uh, someone said God's Word is like an anvil, and the hammers of the critics have hit it over and over. The hammers have been destroyed, but the anvil still stands. And that's the power of God's Word, its reliability, and the fact that in spite of people trying to destroy it, it has just thrived. The, word, the Bible says in Psalms 119, verse 89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Why is it that they cannot destroy all the copies of the word of God? Because God keeps the original in heaven. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Now, let me just share with you uh, this simple truth that God not only inspires His Word, He also preserves His Word. If He didn't preserve His Word, then inspiration is useless. If He didn't inspire His Word, then preservation is useless. Why preserve something that's not inspired? Why, uh, if something is inspired and it's not preserved, what good is it? It's going to certainly be uh, full of errors if it's not preserved. But he miraculously says he inspires the Word of God and preserves the Word of God. And let me just give you a, a simple illustration. The Bible tells us in the book of Exodus how Moses was called up to Mount Sinai. And you'll recall he went up there and the fire of the Lord came, the presence of the Lord on top of Mount Sinai, and they saw the smoke and flame and and Moses is up there. By the way, one of the reasons they did those two golden calves is all the people, perhaps Aaron himself thought, Moses surely died when that happened. They thought he was gone. But he was up there 40 days with God. And the Bible says the words of God were written, the Ten Commandments, and then not just those Ten Commandments, but uh, relating to the law of God was given to Moses on two tablets of stone, and the Bible says, written with the finger of God. Wow. Now, does that mean he just took his finger and carved in it? I, I don't know how God did it, because God doesn't have hands and fingers, but it was written by God. Now, Moses comes down with those two tablets, and he's coming down the mount after the 40 days and 40 nights he's been with God. <coughs> the Bible is going to tell us that his face glows because he's been in the presence of God. He will eventually have to put a veil over his head because it scares everyone. And he comes down with those two original copies of the Word of God, two tablets of stone. And then what does he see? He sees the golden calves. He sees the people dancing in idolatry and immodesty and everything. And so the Bible says he throws them and he breaks them. Didn't last long, did it? There they are, all these pieces of stone. That's the word of God. Well, Moses was used of God to deal with that idolatry. And then God said to Moses, come back up to the mount another 40 days. And he goes and he gets an exact replica of the word of God. Why? Because forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. God has the word of God sealed forever. And so he simply 
wrote again the law that God had given to Moses before. And that's why we know that the Word of God is preserved perfectly. Moses came down with a copy of the originals. And by the way, that's what we have, is we have a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of the originals, because God promised to bless the preservation of his word. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Mark chapter 13, verse 31, similar passage. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Well, that's such an important truth that it's recorded in Luke chapter 21, verse 33 as well. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. It would seem like God's trying to tell us something, that his word will not pass away. And so we can have great confidence in the word of God. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 7 and 8. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So you see, preservation in the Old Testament, preservation in the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24 and 25. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So Peter is using some of what Isaiah says and then adding to it, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So the first thing we see is the word of God is eternal. We have in our hands an everlasting Bible. God's word is eternal for all ages. Uh, it was written about by 40 different authors authors over a span of about 1,500 years and 66 different books in the Bible, and yet they all agree as if they were written by one person. How can that be? Because the Holy Spirit is the author. He simply used men to pen the words. <coughs> The Word of God is eternal. The Word of God is inspired. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, or thoroughly furnished, unto all good works. Now, the word inspiration is an interesting word. It literally means God breathe or out of the mouth of God. So inspiration, it's inspired because it comes right from the mouth of God. It didn't go from the thought of God to a man, so he put thoughts, his thoughts in words. God's thoughts in God's words were given to man and he breathed the words into those who pen the words. And it's important for us to understand that they come directly from God. It's not from godly men. It is from God himself who uses men. <coughs> the Bible says in Psalms 12, 6, verse 6, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. And so that speaks of the idea of purifying silver. And of course, in doing that, you would heat it up and then you would scrape off what would consider to be the dross, any other element, since silver is a heavy metal, any other metal that's lighter than that would float to the surface and then they would skim that off. 
But the word of God is like silver purified seven times. So you keep skimming and you keep skimming and you keep skimming. Now, I've heard a story that says the way you know that silver is pure is when you bring it, when you heat it so that it melts, it will look just like a mirror. You will look in it and it is as though you're looking in a mirror. And that not that interesting? Because that's what the Word of God does. It shows us who we are without Christ. It shows who we are in Christ. And it shows us what Christ wants us to be. It's like a mirror that shows us all of those things. It shows us ourself as we look into the Word of God. The Word of God is inspired. And because it's inspired, it's inerrant, without error. It comes from God. <coughs> it's also authoritative. What God says, God means. I like how someone says God means what he says and says what he means. We don't have to read God's word and say, I wonder what God thought about that. In Habakkuk, it says, write the vision and make it plain that they may run who readeth it. God wanted his word clearly understood. The New Testament was written in what's called Koine Greek. And Koine Greek is the Greek of the common masses, the common man. It wasn't the Greek of the classics or the aristocrats. It was the Greek that the common man spoke. And the reason for that is that God wanted the common man, <coughs> excuse me, to understand God's word clearly. The word of God is eternal. The word of God is inspired. Thirdly, we're going to see the Word of God is given. <coughs> I've been fighting a cough here, and I've done well today, but I haven't talked all that much. The Word of God is inspired. Now the Word of God was given by the Holy Spirit to man. And that's what I want to see here. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, the Bible says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It's so interesting to understand that, that in verse 21, the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. No one set out to write God's word. Someone said that the Bible is not a book a man could write, nor is it a book a man would write. For instance, if Peter was writing, if Peter had any say about the Gospels, his denial in, uh, of Jesus three times wouldn't be in there. The Bible not only tells about the successes of man, it also tells about all the failures of man. Man wouldn't write failures about himself. But God shows us that which is true and honest. <coughs> it's not a private interpretation. It simply means it doesn't mean one thing to one person and another to another. What the Word of God teaches, it means for everybody. Now, there's one interpretation, there's many applications. Let me illustrate that. The Bible says in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not lie. Okay, but what's the applications? You don't lie to your parents. You don't lie to your mate. You don't lie to your children. You don't lie to your uh, boss. You don't lie to your co-workers. You don't lie to the government. You don't do this and that. So there's many different applications or scenarios in which thou shalt not lie. One interpretation, don't be untruthful. Many applications where a person could be untruthful. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Unto whom it was revealed, 
that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. And so what he's talking about is that which is revealed, the word of God that was revealed and revealed by the Holy Spirit that was sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into, the word of God. Fourthly, I want to see the Holy Spirit accompanies the word of God. And this is so important to understand (coughs) that when you preach or teach, it's not the power of the speaker. It's not about the speaker. It's not about the preacher. Uh, It is about the word of God. The power is never in the person. The power is always in the word of God. And if you can stand up and maybe you're scared, maybe you're trembling. Someone says, I could never do that. I could never stand up behind a pulpit and preach or teach. Well, uh, maybe uh, on a night like tonight, you'd do a better job than I am as I'm coughing here. But the thing is, you're worrying too much about the messenger instead of the message. See, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about any preacher. (coughs) It's about the truth of God's word. And that is why a junior boy, a high school boy could get behind this, young man could get behind this pulpit and preach a five-minute sermon, and he might share all the truth he knows at that given time, But you and I could be blessed by that. Because as long as he's preaching the word of God, there's power in his word. The Holy Spirit accompanies the word of God. Acts chapter 5 and verse 32. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so also is the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Those who've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior are those whom God has given the Holy Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit of God is a witness to all that Christ told us. The Bible says, I will send you the Comforter, and when he has come, he will guide you into all truth whatsoever things I have said unto you. He's going to tell us exactly what Jesus Christ said unto men and his disciples for those three and a half years. Now, you and I weren't there. But the Holy Spirit's going to tell us exactly what he said. And what we have recorded in the New Testament is exactly what Jesus Christ said in the Gospels that God wants us to know. Is it everything Jesus said in those years? No. What did John say about that? He said, and many other things did Jesus do. He says, I suppose if they were all written, the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Wow. So Jesus was very busy. But then he continues and says, but these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you might have life in his name. So the things that are recorded are what you and I need to hear to have an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ who died for us as sinners. What a wonderful blessing to know that this book is giving us life and that it brings us to Jesus, then it matures us in Jesus and teaches us about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 15 says, Whereof 
the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before. And so we'll go on to say what he said before, but he's simply saying here that the Holy Spirit of God is a witness. So he accompanies the word of God. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says it this way. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereof I send it. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And Isaiah says that it shall not return void unto me. I remember many years ago, probably 40 years ago, I was reading an illustration about Charles Finney. And Charles Finney was a very educated man who trusted Christ as a Savior. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was studying to be a lawyer (coughs) and then decided to be a preacher. Well, God called him to be a preacher. He didn't decide to be one. And uh, he, he spoke uh, to one man who said he did not believe in Jesus Christ, nor did he believe in the Word of God. And Charles Finley said, uh, this uh, famous evangelist, Charles Finney, he said, except ye believe, ye shall all likewise perish. And the man said, well, yeah, I appreciate you saying that, but I just told you I don't believe that. I don't believe the Word of God. He said, well, except you believe, you shall all likewise perish. And he said, well, yeah, but I, you know, you must be hard of hearing. I've told you, I don't believe that. He said, well, I just have this to say. Except you believe, you shall all likewise perish. I told you, I do not believe. Well, except you believe, you shall likewise perish. He said that about five or six times. And finally the man said, okay, I believe, tell me. (laughs) You see, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even asunder the soul and spirit and is discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The, The word of God permeates the soul of man. Now, our hearing, what we can say doesn't do that. But what God's Word says does do that. It strikes straight to the heart of man. And when we share God's Word, it does something. The preaching uh, of God's Word is full of power because the Word of God has the power itself. Uh, Paul said it this way, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation. And that word power is the Greek word dunamos, from which we get the word dynamite. It's the explosive power of God in the soul of a man. So uh, I know sometimes today people want to um, think, well, I need to think of 10 arguments Uh, to lead an atheist to Christ or agnostic to the Lord. But the best thing you could ever do is just quote scripture. There's power in the word of God, not in our intellect, not in our, uh, you know, debates. It is simply the word of God that's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So share the word of God. The Holy Spirit is present to help the believer have a proper understanding of God's Word. Many years ago, I've shared this story, but many years ago, uh, when my wife and I were working in uh, Mississippi, northeast Mississippi, it was my first pastorate. I was 21 years of age for a few weeks and then turned 22. Just a young man being a pastor. But God blessed and uh, especially in the young people, uh, God blessed. And we had about 20 or more 
teenagers come to our house every Wednesday. They did not have a Wednesday night service. I remember one Sunday morning uh, after the service, a young man came up to me and said, Pastor, uh, I'm, I'm having problem. I'm reading the word of God like you taught on Wednesday, but I'm, I'm not understanding it. And I, I said, well, let me ask you this question. Have you come to that place where you know for sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven? He said, well, I hope so. I said, well, do you know so? He said, no, I don't. I said, well, let me tell you, here's the problem. The Bible says that uh, the natural man, the unsaved man, understandeth not the things that be of God, neither indeed can he, for they are spiritually discerned. I said, if you take this and you try to read it like a Christian reads it, a Christian reads it, but see, the Holy Spirit of God lives in a Christian. And the Holy Spirit is the author of this book, and that author lives inside of me. So when I don't understand something, the author of this book who lives inside of me teaches me. And he doesn't teach me it all at one time, but he teaches me gradually about his word so that I understand it. Now, just like a babe can only eat so much food at a time, as a Christian, I can only have so much truth at a time and absorb it. So the Holy Spirit of God feeds me according to my spiritual maturity. And I said, now, what you need is to trust Christ as your personal Savior. I shared the gospel. He trusted Christ as his Savior. Uh, That evening, he made a public profession, Sunday night, public profession of his faith. Back in the South, we give everyone what's called the right hand of fellowship. They come up, everybody shakes their hand, we're so glad you're saved. And then when that was done, he came to me and said, Pastor, this afternoon I was reading and I understood what I was reading. I said, that's because the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. And see, that's what we have to understand is the Holy Spirit accompanies the Word of God. And when you read the Word of God, let me just tell you something that's going to help you immensely as you read God's Word. Practice this simple, simple step. You get your Bible, you're about to read it. Go like this. Dear Lord, I need your help. I'm reading the eternal word of God. Holy Spirit of God, speak to me as I read your word and help me understand what you want to say to me today. Now, I don't do that when I pick up a newspaper. Well, I haven't seen a newspaper in so long. Uh, I heard the Oregonians just doing it a few days a week now. Uh, But when I used to read the newspaper, I never say, Lord, help me understand this. No, the Lord would say, Mike, I don't understand that. (laughs) But when I read God's word, I can ask him for discernment and to speak to my heart and to share with me what I need, and he will do that. So do not read the Bible like you'd pick up a novel or another book. Pick up the Bible like it's the Word of God and ask the, ask the author of the Word of God who lives in you to help you understand it and ask him to speak to your soul, speak to your heart, and he will. And you'll be amazed how much your Bible understanding will go off the charts because you're asking the author who lives inside of you to help you understand what he's written. And he will. He'll bless your heart. The fifth thing I want to say is the Holy Spirit quickens the word of God. Now that word quicken means to make alive. Now the word of God is alive whether you ever open it up or not. It's alive. But when you read it, the Holy Spirit makes it come alive to you. And he speaks to your heart through that. John chapter 6, verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. 
The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, they are life. The words that Jesus speak are spirit and life. And that's an amazing thing to understand. He makes the word of God come alive to us. Acts chapter 6, verse 10. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. The Holy Spirit must be present for the Bible to be made alive. We can do everything Christian without the Holy Spirit and accomplish nothing. We can do everything Christian, but without the Holy Spirit's aid, we're accomplishing nothing. Remember that old song, we grew up in church singing, all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. Brethren, we have met to worship. And, and it's true. Unless the Holy Spirit of God meets with us, unless the Holy Spirit of God helps you as you read the Word of God, teach the Word of God, preach the Word of God, memorize the Word of God, unless the Holy Spirit of God is helping you, you're just going through spiritual motions. And you can do everything Christian and it'd be powerless and ineffectual. Because there's nothing we bring to the table that makes the Word of God powerful. It's all the Holy Spirit of God. But we've got to ask Him. We've got to claim His power and His presence in the Word of God. He quickens the Word of God. Sixthly, the Holy Spirit teaches the deeper truths of the Word of God. Well, ever since I've been a pastor, everybody's interested in deeper truths. Let me just share with you, the pastor doesn't have it, but the Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit of God has as deep a truths as you want to dive. Uh, the Word of God's like a gold mine. The deeper you dig, the more gold you find. And you could, you could spend... Uh, a whole year on one chapter trying to get all the truth out of that one chapter of the Bible. You wouldn't get much through the Bible, but you could definitely find truth after truth after truth if you just stuck in the same chapter. He teaches the deeper truths of the Word of God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. But as it is written... I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, and what's those last few words? Yea, the deep things of God. You want to learn deeper truths? The Holy Spirit has them. He knows the deep things of God. And if you're interested, just keep asking him. He'll share that with you. You won't get that from a book. It's not which pastor you listen to. It's not letting YouTube be your preacher. It's trusting the Holy Spirit of God that when you pick up the word of God, he will lead you. You'll read a verse and you'll be reminded of another verse that says something similar and then you'll start studying that verse and then you'll think of another verse and you'll do a word study and you'll do a subject study and the Holy Spirit of God will help you go deeper, 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 deeper and sharing more truth with you. The Holy Spirit teaches the deep truths of the word. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 5 which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by his Spirit. So who shared that great truth with the holy prophets, the holy apostles and the prophets? The Spirit of God did. But you and I are his children too. And so he can share his wisdom with us that's found in God's word. Now, God shared wisdom to them so they could write it down. 
but God will share wisdom to us so we can understand it and so we can make proper application to our lives. So look to the Holy Spirit when you read the Word of God. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit are so entwined, you can't take one from the other. And if you do, they're meaningless. If the Holy Spirit speaks to us, He is always going to align Himself with the Word of God. He's never going to be leading us in a path that's not clearly stated in the Word of God. The Word of God is truth. We're not truth. I'm not truth. Pastor's not truth. An evangelist is not truth, but God's word is truth. Now, as I teach God's word, if I'm clearly teaching it, I'm teaching truth. If I'm trying to take a verse here and a verse here and a verse here and weave it into something and taking things out of context, then that's not truth. But if I'm looking at truth in context, and I'm sharing that it's in the context it's saying that, then I'm teaching truth. And, and a seventh grade boy could do that. Ladies can do that at their Bible studies and their gatherings. And, and, and they have the capacity to be as deep in the truth as any man can be. It's, it's not this or that. God tells a man to be the pastor. But, but every lady could be a deep, studier of the truth of God's word and be very wise in the truth of God. The Bible also says the Holy Spirit warns not to change God's word. Let me look quickly at these verses. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 and 6. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not to his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found the liar. I was talking to one of our staff members today uh, about the Word of God. And, uh, you know, in, in contemporary theology, there's always a new this or new that or something. And, and I was talking as it related to eschatology. I said, but what happens is when, when people teach the Word of God or teach some new subject, it's like uh, they teach it dogmatically, like this is exactly what God's Word says. Well, that's great. Show me chapter and verse and it will tell me that's exactly what it teaches. But if you can't give me chapter and verse, I told the staff member, if, if I don't have chapter and verse in something, I'll say, now this is what I think is going to happen here or there. This is what I think God is teaching. But I don't say this is what God's teaching unless it clearly teaches it. To, to do otherwise is to handle the word of God, the Bible says, deceitfully. I can't manipulate God's word and, and like make it authoritative because I'm the, I'm the speaker. Well, you ought to listen to me because this is, well, no, 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 no. You, the only reason you have to listen to any spiritual man is because he's pointing to the scripture. It's the scripture. It's not me. It's not my opinions. It's what does God's word clearly say? And if we get off the path of that, you're going to be in left field. You're going to be in unknown territory. And so let's stick with the word of God. Every word of God is pure. Add thou not to his words, lest thou he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. And then finally in Revelation chapter 22, verse 18 and 19, for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, out of the holy city, 
and from the things that are written in this book. Now, that's a pretty serious uh, promise, not a threat. It's a promise. God says you add to them, you're going to have the plagues added to you. You take away from it, your part is taken out of the book of life. Now, what does that mean? Now, some have insinuated that if you were to alter God's word, that that means God would erase your name from the book of life. Well, no, that's not what he's talking about. What he said is, is your part. In other words, I believe the book of life has space for everyone that's ever been born. Because Christ died for all. But the only names in the book of life are those who've trusted Christ as their Savior. So what do you mean by that? Here again, let me give you my thoughts. Because I can't back this up. But I believe that before I was ever born, there was space for my name because God in his foreknowledge knew I would be born. And since Christ died for all, I believe I had a part in the book of life. By that, I mean there was space for my name. But it wasn't until I trusted Christ as my Savior as a nine-year-old boy that my name was written down in the Lamb's book of life. But for someone who does not trust Christ as their Savior, the Spirit of God will continue to strive with them, try to bring them to Christ, But for a person who would unashamedly defile the Word of God, try to destroy the Word of God, try to misuse the Word of God, try to rewrite the Word of God purposely, I believe that space where his name could have been written is what it's talking about being removed. It talks about those who are twice dead, plucked up by the roots. People who deny God so long, the Holy Spirit has no inroads into their heart. God's Spirit shall not always strive with man. That's what God told Noah. It took him over 100 years to build the ark. He was a preacher of righteousness, he says. How many people repented to his preaching? None. Only his family. I was reading uh, this week in Revelation. Last week I read through Revelation. I started again uh, uh, Monday. And so uh, all these plagues were coming. And then it says, and neither, they re- ne- neither did they repent. All these things are coming, and yet they gritted their teeth and they wouldn't repent. They wouldn't turn to God, although all this is coming. They wouldn't turn. Why? They've hardened their heart. They won't listen to the Holy Spirit. That's ultimately what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is, is the ultimate refusal to trust Christ as one Savior and to say, no, 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 I'm not listening to you, Holy Spirit. You're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. His part was taken out of the Lamb's book of life. And with that being said, our time is gone. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will take this truth of your word and continue to have it uh, find a home in our heart Help us to see, Holy Spirit of God, how precious the Word of God is and how vital it is that we are submissive and yield it to you to help understand what your precious Word teaches us in its context and in its truth. Holy Spirit of God, be the teacher every time we hold up the precious book and every time we open the Word of God. You teach us and speak to our hungry hearts, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And let's all stand for a brief moment.
God bless you. God bless you. Miss Cindy, thank you for playing that song. Brethren, we have met to worship. And I was right. It is that song that says, All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. Uh, What a powerful song and powerful truth. Well, we're going to be dismissed in about 10 minutes or 8 minutes. We'll gather back for our business meeting. You're dismissed. God bless you.